Hi everyone and welcome to the Efficiency Engineers podcast where we ask the question, is there a better way? My name is Frederik Stallard and in this podcast I interview thought leaders that challenge the industry's status quo. On the show today we have Nicolas de Ruiter. Nicolas is the CEO of Skyhouse and founder of ML6, the biggest brand under the Skyhouse group and one of the largest European pools of AI talent providing B2B services to develop advanced AI that create real business impact. Nicholas is a traditionally schooled engineer and a West Flemish entrepreneur person, doing rather than talking. In the podcast, we usually zoom in on people in the insurance industry. With our guest today, we are taking a slightly different approach as it will not be strictly about insurance or insurtech. But as we all know by now, AI is one of the biggest opportunities for business transformation. They say that companies who can successfully adapt will rise and those who can't will fail. Insurance, in my opinion, is no different. I believe it's worth digging a bit deeper into the topic of AI and data and transformation with one of the pioneering minds here in Belgium. I want to figure out what exactly we need to know about data and AI to set us up for further success. Nicolas, thanks for coming on the show today. What an introduction, uh, Fred. Thank you for that. We had to move the recording a couple of times, but thanks for making it today. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. It's a bit cold uh, here in this uh, time of year, but other than that, uh, very good. So when I was finishing, if I look back on, on let's say, when I got in, got in touch with machine learning, I was finishing my master's in 2017 and machine learning was something only found in textbooks, in theory, maybe somewhere in a Google research lab. But I was tasked with writing a master thesis on the topic, and I had no clue. I had to Google the term uh, machine learning. I had to look up the first YouTube videos about the topic, some AI course or machine learning course in Stanford. But today, we're in such a different world, right? Machine learning or AI, as a more general term, has changed the way people consume media, Think about Netflix or YouTube recommendations. It has changed how we buy things and how we work. It's on the strategic agenda of most large companies. And I'm definitely biased, but I believe it's probably the most disruptive technology since the internet. In fact, my, my own personal mission is to create real business impact through AI. And this mission has guided me throughout my relatively young career so far but it's what I'm set out to do. Tell us a little bit more about, about your mission, Nicholas, about what, what is driving you. Yeah, I mean, I've been uh, working into this field in, for like the last uh, 10 years. When, when, when just starting off as an engineer, fresh out, of, fresh out of school, fresh out of university, I didn't really have a big uh, vision or mission or anything. I just wanted to, as an engineer, have an impact uh, with my laptop, basically. And what I really noticed is that you can do so much with data. You can truly have an impact on people's lives, on businesses, by being smart with data, basically. And I really found my passion in trying to achieve that impact throughout the years. And I just wanted to do more of that. So that was basically my mission like for the last, I guess, five to maybe seven years, something like that. But by growing the company and um, by expanding the business, I really saw firsthand on how people changed and how the talent that we onboarded in our company, how they grew as people 
by doing this on a daily basis. And people that were very introverted initially, that really blossomed into very nice uh, business people. I think that's amazing. So for me, my mission is more on the people side rather than specific the technology side. And I like to combine that with just state-of-the-art technology. I like to combine or I like, I like to follow the latest advancements in, in artificial intelligence and machine learning in order to, to do more of the same, right? To have more impact on businesses, to have more impact on people, especially obviously in, in, in a positive way. So that's maybe uh, making a short story long. But um, yeah, I really enjoy helping people to grow and helping business, businesses to grow especially with state-of-the-art technology. I think that's uh, where my passion is. Uh, what I find really cool is that if you, um, like sometimes you come up with, I don't know, some a cool article somewhere, you send it over to me, and then I ask, hey, where did you get this? And nine out of 10 times, it's from uh, Hacker News, which is, I mean, probably a bit nerdy. And for someone who's been yeah, leading and growing company for 10 years, who's supposed to be business, I think that's uh, still a cool feature that you're, like you're probably daily browsing hacker news and I can, and I can really testify for the, let's say the growth aspect of being part of this, this environment in my previous role at ML six after graduation, like no, no skills, no experience. I, I was really accelerated by, um, the fact that technology and then the right environment has so much to offer for further self exploration and self development. And it's made me to, yeah, it's, it's helped me come to the point where I'm now. First, I thought of myself as a developer, uh, not really the, the final destination, uh, but I, uh, yeah, I can absolutely testify to that. You were also one of the first, especially in Benelux, but more in general, as I, as I already indicated, you were one of the first to understand the opportunity that advanced technology and especially data and especially AI has to offer for businesses. Do you remember when you when you came to that conclusion or was there was there some sort of pivot point where you said, OK, now we have to go all in on this specific thing because it's going to be big. It's going to be bigger than people anticipate. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So as I said, uh, started things by helping companies get insights out of their data and saw firsthand like, yeah, this really has a, has a, has a big impact. And then we noticed that uh, Google released uh, the TensorFlow framework, I think 2015, 2016, can't remember by heart. And that was the very first time there was a very good framework, at least for us, to, to dig in, to dive in, and to really start by applying uh, deep learning to our, our customers' data. We've seen it firsthand in research through uh, ImageNet in 2012, that machine learning was really good in helping to understand images almost at the time, up to a level of human performance. So when TensorFlow was released, this was really a trigger point, uh, I believe, to really accelerate uh, yeah, use cases with deep learning on top of, on top of data. And since that point, and, and that, that has obviously been proven throughout the years, I'm truly convinced that uh, advancements in innovation based on data uh, are going to keep on coming. And we, we've seen the waves in the past, business intelligence, uh, data science, machine learning, artificial intelligence. I don't think that's going to stop. I think it's going to accelerate even more. So yeah, definitely at the time, there was a big uh, pivotal moment where we also decided to completely focus, focus on uh, the topic of uh, artificial intelligence. And now many of the 
applications that we see are very narrowly scoped. They are really like point solutions for a specific problem or to improve a certain process. And the new foundation models and the new wave we are seeing in that space, uh, we're going to see, I guess, in, in at least in my lifetime, uh, more transformative solutions or technology to really accelerate productivity for people in, in, in the future. So I'm really excited about that. And I really want to play a big role in that. Uh, in that um, I was going to ask, so AI is seeing, let's say, a more mature phase where it's more robust, it's more secure, and business adoption is already there to a certain extent. Do you think we're at, at an, yeah, you, you already mentioned it, but are we at an AI maturity stage? Or is this just a starting point? Are we just at the very beginning, op just slightly opening the door and uh, huge things are coming? Or is this, for example, is this what AI is about? And then the next thing will be more practical applications in blockchain, in Web3, in other stuff, metaverse, for example. So I think with any type of technology, if it's invented, it's going to go to a certain cycle of commoditization. And going through that cycle, there is a lot of efficiency gains to be um, achieved. And we've seen that happen with narrow AI solutions. So as I said before, with really like point solutions around computer vision, document intelligence, and so on. And what I think uh, the trend that you're seeing uh, now is that this is being scaled up through uh, foundation models. So very large, for instance, language models, which really allow downstream applications to be developed much more quickly. And in a much broader sense, with much more knowledge and context within those models. So I believe it's hard as, as humans to think exponentially, but I, I believe there is an exponential uh, growth coming towards us, mainly due to the fact that this commoditization effect is increasing and is happening at a, at a faster pace. If you look at models like Stable Diffusion, uh, which has been released in August, I believe, of this year, And if you look at the Cambrian explosion of specific solutions that have been built on top of those uh, open source systems, I think that's that's amazing. The AI community is one of the most open communities there is in, in, in IT. And that really has as a result that this commoditization effects happens at a much faster pace. I'm not truly into metaverse and, and other uh, hypes of this uh, century. And, I don't want to downplay any any technology on that on that respect, but that's not something I'm I having I have a, a strong opinion uh, about. I'm really really excited about using data and about uh, applying smart technology on top of that. I'm also truly convinced, for instance, that if we can create a large enough data set of the biological processes that happen in your brain, I think that's the only factor that is limiting us in trying to understand parts of our uh, human nature. So I'm really excited about those topics. And, and again, I want to play a big part in that. Uh, I don't really no, have an opinion on that. I think uh, that's fine. Pick your battles, yeah. right? You can't be a winner in every sport. And some try, but I, I don't think that's the best strategy. Do you believe in AGI, artificial general intelligence, or in other words, sentient AI that is able to do everything a human can do? I remember reading a paper a couple of years ago That was, it was like a, an, an, uh, what is it? An enquete interviewing different, like a population of high class AI researcher in how many years they believed AGI would be 
there. And some said like, hey, in 10 years, we're there. Some said in 20 years, in 50 years, in 80 years, some said never. I found it surprising how little people said never, because even as an, I consider myself a little bit as an insider, even as an insider, I can't really imagine how that would work. And I don't mean from a technical point of view, I mean, everything else, like from an organizational, ethical and practical point of view. What's your opinion on that? Like a, like a, a super, a super AI or however the media calls it. Yeah. So, um, I prefer to use the term transformative AI, which I believe is certain AI systems, which are so capable, they provide a exponential effect in terms of productivity. A bit kind of like when you had this deep engine, which was one of the reasons of the industrial revolution. I believe that a transformative AI system will be developed in the near future, which is going to cause a productivity evolution. The first signs of that happening are actually to be found in research. So if you try to kind of estimate when is that going to happen, there are several methods which you can use to try and calculate that moment in time. And one of the methods I personally like, and it's also one of the most more serious efforts to try and come up with that number, is something which is called the bio-anchor method. So it's basically going to try to estimate the human inferential compute your brain does. And it's trying, it's trying to kind of estimate the number on when we are going to hit that level of inferential compute in terms of uh, GPUs and CPUs and processing power and supercomputers. So it tries to account for things like uh, algorithmic efficiencies in the future or cheaper transistors, cheaper chips, and so on. And that number, in, so that study was first published in 2019, and those results came to the conclusion that in 2052, we would have a median probability of achieving transformative AI, which is amazing, obviously. Now, that number has this year, uh, I think in July, been adjusted. And now they are talking about a median probability of 2040. So they adapted the study because um, chips are, are, are becoming even more cheaper than they realized. But access to data, for instance, is more difficult than what they originally anticipated. But even though I think that's a, that's a great study, it's a serious effort to kind of come up with that number. And it's a very data-driven way to try and estimate what the future is going to bring. And personally, if you look at uh, the research that, think that is happening at DeepMind and OpenAI and, and so on, and even, even smaller uh, research or newer research institutions like Adept.ai, you can see those first signs of really, like, if they pull this off, I think it's going to have a very big, profound effect on our economy and human society, society as a whole. So personally, I am... I'm always a bit uh, cautious uh, in terms of uh, these uh, these predictions, but I'm uh, I'm willing to bet a certain uh, heavy amount that uh, this is going to happen in my uh, in my lifetime, definitely. Yeah. If we look at AI adoption, so the fastest adopters of AI seem to be consumer products, e-commerce, and media. In general, B two C type of business. Why do you think for many of us in B two B, it sometimes feels like it's 2005, if you look at the software people are using to do their day-to-day -day job. Like, why is it so difficult to, to follow that transition for B2B software? So if you look at the commoditization effect, that technology that originates is going to be commoditized due to the simple laws of, uh, of capitalism. 
And um, having those uh, commoditized components, those lead to more efficiency. And that specifically leads to more opportunity to think about new user needs or how to solve existing user needs. Now, the problem is, is that in many businesses, there are a lot of blockers to actually apply that commoditization effect. Why? Because it's not particularly very clear that doing things in a bit more of an efficient way actually frees up time and and resources in general to spend on innovation. And then secondly, historical success creates a blocker for innovation. So basically the fact that people have always done a certain process in the same way and it works quite well is a blocker to actually try to do it in a different way. So why why would you change a winning team, right? So I think that's one of the reasons why B2B software or B2B processes are very difficult to to change or to to adapt to uh, innovation because it's it's within a certain mentality. And again, it makes perfect sense, right? Why would you chase something that actually has proven its worth, even though you can do it in a, in a bit more of an efficient way? Now, what you sometimes see is that in a consumerization effect, businesses are forced to actually adapt uh, their software or their processes. And I think one of the best examples is, is email clients, right? So you have AOL and, and Gmail. Originally, email was basically B2B software, right? So by providing those email clients to the broader uh, audience, to, to everyone, to regular consumers, these product companies, these email client providers, they had to come up with user interfaces that were extremely user-friendly, extremely easy to understand and to use, which forced B2B email client providers to also do it in the same way. And I think that's a nice example of how consumerization can actually break through those uh, those barriers. It's extremely hard for people within an organization to try and break through those barriers on your own, but by mapping them, by showing where they are, and by being able to discuss them, it's a first step in, in, in going into the right direction. But it's not easy. Um, in, in all of our projects that we do, change management is extremely important, and it cannot be uh, underestimated. And this is just one of the uh, blockers that we face in, in trying to innovate at, uh, at our customers' uh, business. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. As a consumer, you decide whether you want to use software or not but as an employee you don't always have the power to decide it for yourself and then dynamics of teams and companies are different are completely different risk is also differently managed today larger corporates have typically started to adopt ai and have first experience with applying it already in their processes at least strategically on a strategic level i think ai is always part of the roadmap for for most large corporates. But what advice would you have for small business owners? Or what advice would you have for industries that are maybe a little bit slower, like the insurance industry, that are just starting to dabble with this technology? Anything in particular they need to understand about AI and working smarter with data? A very good first step is to have situational awareness. I mean, I'm personally surprised about how many decisions are being made without uh, a very clear insight in where the world is headed towards and what is happening with technology. And this is just broader than data and AI in general. 
I think it's very important to have situational awareness. So what is my business doing? What are my competitors doing? Uh, where is the world headed? And what, how is technology in, evolving in this landscape? And by mapping that out for your specific case, it really helps to first and foremost basically have a map on what's happening, right? So you always focus on a certain user need and then the certain tasks that need to happen in, in, to solve that specific user need. And then you try to see uh, which tasks within those uh, within that within that uh, value chain uh, is being taken up in a completely custom way, which is being taken up in a fully fully commoditized way. And then you just have a first map where you can then decide, okay, where are we going to invest in? And obviously, it makes sense to invest in trying to solve new user needs or trying to solve existing user needs in a much more efficient and better way. But if you don't have that situational awareness, how are you going to make decisions? So that's a very much a, a very first step I, I can advise to take uh, before diving into anything because data, AI, machine learning, AR, AR, VR, any type of technology, it's a tool to help you to serve your customers better. You motivated me to become an entrepreneur myself and joining Paperbox as a co-founder. I remember you telling me and a startup or becoming an entrepreneur is like, like getting a baby. You never truly feel ready for it, but you just go with it and then you learn as you go. And it stuck with me. But what does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur? And if you look back last five to 10 years, you managed to grow a successful business, a reference in AI. How do you see the next 10 years for yourself? So twofold question. Yeah, I don't know. I think I really enjoy being able to tell the story about Fred, right? But you're, you're not the only story I can tell. I really enjoy having the privilege to touch people's lives and to really help them grow and help them to become successful. I mean, look at yourself, Fred. You also uh, run a business quite successfully. You're profitable as a startup after the first year. I mean, that that's amazing. And I think that being able to tell those stories is uh, something that fills me with uh, with proud and joy. And um, I've decided for myself that that is what I wanted to continue to do, right? So again, we have a vision, we have a mission, but in the end, it's all about why are you getting up in every single day in the morning and, and why are you doing this? And as I said, I really enjoy uh, creating, creating business impact, but I also really enjoy seeing people grow and being able to tell these stories about how Fred first started, joined our uh, company, was a bit insecure. Uh, then we put him on stage uh, at the <laughs> AI Summit in Amsterdam. He did a wonderful talk. Fred wanted to code, but I realized Fred is a bit more commercial than a coder. So sometimes you really, you just need those like little pushes, that mentorship, that coaching. And I think that's, uh, if you work with smart people and if you work with enthusiastic people it's extremely rewarding so that's definitely what i what i want to continue in the future on the second question how do you see the the company grow or how do you see what what, what would the next 10 years bring first of all i hope to be able to tell more of those stories but definitely i really want to create an, an environment where we really have a large impact in the field of transformative ai and really make sure that it happens in an, in, in a responsible uh, ethical uh, way um, I think it's uh, uh, the opportunity with this technology are completely endless. So there's so much room to create a business, to have impact at, uh, 
at other businesses to have impact on society. And I really want to want to be a, a driver of those future economic uh, growth engines with artificial intelligence, with transformative AI. So um, I hope that answers your question, Fred. I think it's an extremely exciting time to be alive if you see all of the new advancements that are happening. And um, yeah, I mean, it's very hard for me not to be enthusiastic about, uh, about the future. I think that's one of your... Uh best features as well, like optimism and, and enthusiasm and sparking this also in other people, whether those are customers or team members. I think that's great. And I really enjoyed this, uh, this conversation, Nicolas. We see each other often or every now and then, mostly around the coffee machine passing by. We don't always take the chance to go a bit deeper and have, have a real conversation. But I love this one, as I always do when getting into depths of, of some things with you. So thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thanks for having me.